All right, welcome to episode 18 of the At Bat Baseball Podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on the latest Chicago baseball news as to, as well as take a trip around the league. I am Saul Rodriguez, joined by none other than all-star Miles Porter. <laughs> How we doing, man? Doing doing good, feeling good. You know, it's 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 you know, it's trade day, it's deadline day, and I learned that I made the all-star team and it's official, so it's a lot of entertaining stuff in the in, in the baseball world and in my baseball life right now. So it's, you know, it's cool time to be a baseball person. No, yeah. Hey, it's, it's awesome. And, and like I said before, congratulations on the uh, all-star uh, selection. It's pretty sick. No matter what league you play in, I think it's badass to, you know, be an all-star. You can say that you are, you know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, But yeah, you are, you are also correct that it is a trade deadline day today. So it's an absolutely insane day. And of course, uh, we have uh, a guest today, uh, which uh, we'll talk about more later, but it's uh, Jake Kosak. He's the host of uh, the Bronx Zoo uh, on TikTok and YouTube. Um, he's a big Yankees fan. Um, he got big on, on TikTok for interviewing uh, Yankees fans outside of uh, the stadium. So um, really excited to talk to that guy and yep. uh, get in his head about uh, what the Yankees have done so far, um, including taking uh, Scott Efros off our hands. So um, it's yeah. going to be, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun and, uh, and definitely, um, talk a lot about trades and, and, and stuff like that today. Uh, Miles, did you guys play this weekend though for the Jaguars? Yeah. Yeah. We played this weekend. Uh, we had, we had three games. Uh, we lost, we lost the first two on Friday and Saturday, but then we were able to finish out our weekend pretty strong on Sunday. Um, you know, then we, you know, last regular season games this weekend and then the all-star game, then it's playoff time. So we're locked in, we're ready to, you know, get it going and, you know, ramp it up a bit. Oh, yeah. It's almost go time. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we'll start this week with the White Sox, who are 51 and 51. Uh, so they uh, they tied the Rockies in their two-game series, and then they won a series against the, the Oakland Athletics two games out of three. Now, uh, it was a positive week in the sense of winning and uh, winning record and whatnot. Uh, Besides, they ended up losing game one of their Royals series on Monday. But uh, mm-hmm. what, like, do you think they're do you think that they're finally taking advantage taking advantage of their favorable schedule? Because, uh, like, you look at it and it's really just I me. Mean, and we'll again we'll preview what you know the upcoming week. But just the fact that like you know they got the the Rangers for a four game series. They're not a bad team, but they you know they they're definitely a team the Sox can take a series from. They face the Royals again for another series, then the Tigers. They got the you know the 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 they got a little a little stretch where they faced the Astros, the Guardians, and the Orioles. But you know when when they're winning series against the A's, I think that's huge, regardless of how how that team has played this season, because yeah. it could be a confidence booster regardless. Like, do you think finally they're they're doing it, or do you think it's it's just a little blip? And you know this five and five record to start the second half is, is again who the White Sox are. You know what, I, I and this is going to sound very, very unfortunate for me to say, it's kind of what the White Sox have, have been, you know, five and five since, you know, since the start. Um, this has been, a, they've been a 500 team. So, you know, I think it's hard for me to say that they've been a different ball club because we have been seeing the same inconsistencies consistently. So, so what I'll say was, is that I think that there's definitely a, there's definitely there's definitely potential for them to take advantage of the schedule and and keep you know keep going forward, um, but it'd be hard for me to sit here and say that I've seen something special out of them because you know sitting at five and five you know with this overall record of fifty one to fifty one, you know we're, we're pretty much in the same spot that we've always been. Um, but there's a lot there's a lot to take advantage here, with, especially you know with Kansas City and then playing Texas. There's a lot to take advantage of there. Sox just have to put it, you know put it together and you know. We can't have our guys getting thrown out of the game. Oh yeah, exactly. We'll we'll get to that in a second because that that was a big uh, uh moment in that in that A series. Yeah. So in in that uh the Colorado uh part of the schedule last week, they the Sox were able to um uh win one and lose one. Uh, Kopek shined in Colorado in game one. He in that two to one uh win over Colorado. Uh, he had five and a third shutout innings. Um, and then in um. Game two, Kendall Graveman, he couldn't close it out. Um, and the Sox yeah. ended up losing that six to five. Um, so again, one one Colorado, I think, is a win. We've always we always talk about Colorado and the fact that like you just it's just, it's unpredictable. So 
um, when when you know when you split a series there, that's that's a win. It's much as a win. So, yeah. uh, in the series versus Oakland, the Sox opened with a seven to three loss. That that uh, that was uh, one of the big stories of that was Tim Anderson blowing up on the umpire. Um, he he went off after a strikeout call, and he went off on the umpire, and um, he made some contact, I guess, with his cap, with the umpire's cap, um, and he's gotten a three-game suspension. So, um, and I think honestly, when it comes to that, that a blow up a little bit, I think it's just a culmination of frustration when it comes to um, the White Sox season um, and just their struggles overall. I don't, you know, it's just. I, I think it just boils, you know, boils. It's kind of like what happened with David Ross, right? Like, you know, him being thrown out a couple times in a row, like a couple games in a row. Like, it, it, it's, I think after a while, you just get frustrated of, uh, regardless of how your team's playing, of just the losing. And, uh, and, and I think that kind of boils, is what kind of what it boils down. Uh, what, what did you get out of that, that uh, Tim Anderson blow up? Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I think that there was an I bet earlier in that game where it was a similar pitch that was called for a strike. Um, and, you know, obviously he took that same pitch that was called a strike or the very first pitch of that at bat. Yeah, you know, there's there's definitely frustration right now. There's definitely a sense of, I think the Sox are starting to feel that sense of urgency now, especially that we're past the 100 game mark. There is, you know, Tim is a very, he's a very passionate player. He's a very honest player. Um, you know, is, is that kind of an ugly moment? I think I think it is. I think it is. I think it's an ugly moment, but it's also a very honest moment as to how, uh, the White Sox are starting to feel in this moment. Um, you know, I <laughs> I understand the frustration of umpires. I understand that there are there are things. You know, as a player, you're trying to compete, um, and then when you're not getting a favorable call, it feels it feels like that umpire or that call or whatever it is, there's something against you, as if you're not already battling for enough in that moment, as if it isn't already hard enough to hit a baseball um, and win games. So. You know those those emotions are, are are real, but you know I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping for for the future that this is not something that happens again for Tim Anderson because I think there's somewhat of a stigma a little bit around him is is kind of is like a like a like a mean player sometimes which which he isn't he's just a very passionate dude um, he plays with a lot of swag um, he also plays a little with a with a lot of a lot of passion so you know uh, nothing too much to look into there just besides how moments like that don't happen too much more for any player in the MLB. Yeah. And, and it's like, at the end of the day, it's, 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 you know, it's what you get with Tim Anderson. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not mad about that. It's like with the type of player he is and um, his attitude, like it's, it's who he is. So I'm not like that. That's definitely, you know, it's fine with me. I mean, it's um, I guess just the, the contact with the umpire that I guess, you know, is what pretty much got him the suspension. I think other than that, he would have been fine. But that's yeah. just the way the rules, you know, no, 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 any type of contact. But uh, yeah, so after that, and and also uh, that could have helped them in the series, uh, maybe like kind of light a fire under them because they ended yeah. up winning the last two games um, of the series. In game two, they actually rallied uh, to beat the A's um, and they walked off on a wild pitch. Um, Adam Engel came in to score. And then in the finale, Dylan Cease uh, does Dylan Cease things uh, as he continues to dominate. He lowered his ERA to, to, Two point zero one, which is just uh, should be illegal. Uh, he has the the best ERA in baseball since May 29th. Now check that check out these numbers. So the those the top three guys with uh, uh, ERA since May 29th um, is Sandy Alcantara at one point nine eight, Justin Verlander at one point six three, and then Dylan Cease is number one at zero point five one. So that's I mean it's it's not even it's not even an ERA. Oh um, and then. So in 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 the in that finale of that series, uh, Abreu and Eloy both homered, um, and uh, one cool stat too I saw uh, by Christopher Kamka, he tweeted out saying that the Sox are sixteen and three uh, when they hit multiple home runs, and we saw last year. I mean how how big the home run was for the Sox, um, and just this year hasn't been um, as much. They haven't been as much of a of. Um, of a home run hitting team, I think that kind of reflects on this on the record a little bit, yeah. um, because it last you know the last year helped them out so much, and this year not as much as as or in general. Um, also, Gavin Sheets uh, has looked a lot better at the plate um, yeah. in his last twenty at bats. He's got an eleven eighteen OPS. So hopefully for them, 
Um, if they end up not getting a left-handed bat, because um, I saw Rick Hahn still say that they're looking to get a left-handed bat from the market um, before the de- before the deadline. Um, Gavin Sheets, if he heats up, I mean, that's huge. So um, they're hoping that is the case, I'm sure. Um, the Sox did make a trade uh, yesterday on Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday at trade deadline day. Um, not a big one, but they got help in the bullpen. They got Jake Diekman from, um, uh, from the Astros and, uh, and they got, uh, or excuse me from the Red Sox, uh, and they traded a Reese McGuire. Um, what do you think that trade does for the Sox? Obviously they needed a bullpen arm. I I personally still think they, they, that their biggest, uh, need is the, the, the left-handed bat, um, if Gavin Sheets is not if, – if he doesn't heat up, forget about Gavin Sheets for a second. But, like, if the Sox leave the deadline with just this, uh, that's got to be an L, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's a major L. And I like that, you know, that they – you know, that they made some sort of attempt to, to you know, kind of correct the bullpen a little bit, correct those arms a bit. Because, you know, in a lot, of, a lot of games this year, offensively, I'm seeing the Sox actually hit extremely well. It's a lot of pitching that, that's been blowing it. Aside from from Dylan Cease and you know a few other players, Johnny Cueto, who, who I'm who you know, we know the guys on this team that have, that have pitched well, whether they're in the rotation or, you know, coming out of the bullpen, they have a lot more to address. There's a lot more to address there pitching wise, and you know, I, if that's all the White Sox are going to come out with with this trade deadline at twelve o'clock on Tuesday at this moment, that's an L. You you know you. you Throwing the towel for the season. You're not. You're not. You're not going to succeed in your division, and you're definitely not going to succeed if you do make the playoffs or if you do make some sort of push. Um, these are like you know the arms need help. It's very plain and simple. So yeah, that'd be that'd be a major help for them if this is all they come out with. Um, it, it helps a lot, but it's going to take a like maybe like one or two more arms to really you know give give that bullpen the push they need. Also take some take some stress off of you know these starters as well. So. Let's see what happens with that, but no, this this should not be the only move that they make. Yeah, and, and the thing is too is like they they have there's a lot of options out there when it comes to like a bat off the market that I think the White Sox can afford. I know they, I know that their um, minor league system is not as good as it was a couple of years ago, um, and obviously they're not willing to to give up you know their big uh, their top guns from their minor league system, and it showed because obviously. Um, I'm sure most people heard about the uh, the White Sox. They were one of the teams that attempted to trade for Shohei Otani uh, over the last week. So I wonder what the you know what um, the Sox were not willing to give up. My guess um, is not only did they want minor leaguers, but obviously how good Shohei is. I'm sure you want uh, developed talent already, and I'm sure like they wanted like Luis Robert or something like that, which I wouldn't be surprised, but. Um, and of course, if the Sox don't want to give them up, it you know it it makes complete sense. But uh, I do like that the White Sox try to get him at least, um, and, like they make an effort to get a guy like that. Um, just because, because can you imagine if the White Sox put a guy in Shohei Otani? I mean, that changes Chicago sports, right? Like it changes it, it, everything. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got, so you got a great arm, and then you have another amazing bat in your lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big difference there. Yeah, People, so like very noble attempt though. Very noble attempt. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like at least hey, I mean, no no uh no harm in trying there, but yeah, yeah. um definitely uh there was a lot of guys that they could get on the market for left-handed bat and like I honestly thought Vogelbach was going to be perfect for them because he cooled down from like how, you know, good he was at the early parts of the season, the couple, first couple months of the season. But he's still uh, a a nice power bat, uh, a guy that's you know can work a walk and and, and you know uh, get a big hit for you. So I thought he was the guy the Sox were gonna try to get. I don't know if they ended up you know not trying, but you know obviously went to the Mets. Uh, Josh Bell was another guy that might have been a little bit of a heftier price, but Josh Bell, of course, um, and, and we'll get to it in a minute. But looks like uh, hopefully for them uh, that he's headed to the Padres uh, in the Juan Soto deal, but. Uh, yeah, so hopefully, you know, we got, we're sitting here recording this at 1222, uh, just a few hours left, um, of the, of the mark of the, uh, trade deadline and still a lot of pieces to go. I mean, plenty of players still available. Uh, so I'm sure next week's episode is going to be chock full with all the stuff that happens in the last few hours. Um, 
And we'll use that um, as a transition uh, to talk about the Cubs um, because uh, as we sit here again, no uh, no deals have been done regarding the big fish with uh, Contreras and Hap. Um, but of course, we'll talk about that in a second as we go over their week first. So the Cubs come in 41 and 60. Uh, they won a series against the Pirates. They swept them. Um, and then they lost the series versus San Francisco three games to one. Uh, it was nice to see them get another sweep. Um, and continue their winning streak. It was, I think, six games once they got to San Francisco, but it ended in game one. Um, it was just another week of competitive games for the Cubs. Like, I think that's um, as for a team and that, you know, that that uh, they are where they are. Uh, anytime you can compete for long periods of time is win. So, and I think that's, that's kind of what the Cubs have been like. So, like, the, the record obviously doesn't reflect it, but they've at least fought. You know, they've they've had a couple bad stretches but nothing too you know bad they're terrible i should say um so yeah after uh nico horner helped the cubs get that three to two uh game one win keegan thompson went seven shutout innings to make it six straight wins for the cubs right and thompson lowered his era to 316 uh and uh he's got a, a fielder's independent pitching of 3.70 um and a uh, era plus of 133 so he keeps on rising um in the cubs ranks of, of pitching and i think what's ultimately um what's been his little bit of his, his achilles heel has just been walks uh but he's uh um as long as he is starting to lower them and work on that then he you know the sky's the limit with that guy because he's he's been great for us all year um uh alex wood no hit the cubs into the seventh inning um in in that game and uh patrick wisdom uh, hit a two-run home run, but the Cubs ended up losing four to two. Uh, Steve, Justin Steele had an unlucky start; he went three innings, um, gave up some runs, but it was just you know some some uh, def- like defensive um, you know mistakes by the Cubs and just like balls going the wrong direction. It was just a tough start overall. In game two, uh, Stroman concluded his July with an ERA of zero point eight nine, and he uh, pitched six shutout innings, and the Cubs ended up getting the win four to two. Uh, wisdom homeward again. I mean, that guy uh, loves hitting in San Francisco. I'm sure he's got a, quite a few homers. I haven't checked how many home runs he's got in San Francisco, but I remember uh, last year when he we went on a, on a run last year, he, um, I believe he had like three home runs in a series in San Francisco. So, oh, yeah, and it, yeah. it, which is funny because it's a ballpark, obviously, that, you know, where people don't hit home runs there. Right, um, yeah. And then, uh, and then Drew Smiley allowed five runs in the five to four Cubs loss on Saturday. Uh, they nearly come back in the ninth weren't able to do it. And then in the finale on Sunday night baseball, the Cubs just got dominated by Carlos Rodon. Uh, he went seven clean innings, 10 strikeouts, probably could have, could have gone more, but he's another guy that might get traded. So they pulled him. Um, just what, what, what are your thoughts on the overall week? The Cubs had, and uh, just like, you know, positives there, you know, you got to pick up the positives there. It's like Stroman, you know, he's pitching well, Keegan Thompson continues, you know, to do his thing. Uh, just what are your thoughts on, on on the last week for the Cubs? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, they're 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 fighting, they're staying in games. Um, you know, obviously it, it's hard it's hard for this team to finish just because of who we are as of right now. Um, but I think I think there are little glimpses glimpses here and there of how talented this this team is it has the potential to be in and even as as soon as like a year or two. Um, you know, it's it's it, you know you gotta you gotta take it for what it is with the Cubs. Uh, but if there's one thing that I do really love about uh, watching these guys day in and day out, and even with especially just going back to that Pittsburgh series, is that um, when they when they feel good about themselves and they're playing with confidence, they're one of the most fun teams to watch in baseball. Um, so it's just you know a matter of kind of you're kind of really just playing out playing out the rest of this year. There aren't too many um, there aren't too many series that you know Cubs fans can look at it and, and you know take in too much there's nothing though that, that there's a lot to digest but at the same time it is something that some of these series you have to take with a grain of salt um you know th- th- this team is in a rebuild they are definitely in a rebuild and uh there's a lot of, of figuring out who's gonna stay where where's Wilson gonna go where's Ian gonna go who else is gonna go is David Robertson gonna get sent somewhere um, the, you know, it's a lot of, there's a lot of movement on this team right now. It's very, this is a team that's very staggered, um, but they're staggered in a way, uh, that they are trying to build towards something in the future. So, you know, I, 
for them to play as well as they as they've had over the last ten games, if I'm correct, I think it's seven and three over the last ten games. You know, that's that's another positive to look at. This team is going to be just fine in the future. Uh, you know. Right now, we kind of have to take every game for what it is, take every little moment, every good thing with the greatest thought with Nico Horner and Keegan Thompson, um, and also embrace the the bad the bad games that happen because they're just learning every single day. I think David Ross has done a wonderful job with what he has had to this point. Yeah, and it's like if they – if the Cubs end up, like, having a good second half, for example, I mean, it just gives, you know, a little bit of a, of a boost for them when going into next year. And, you know, maybe that maybe that wakes up the front office. Maybe that's like, you know, something that, you know, will give them more of a um, of a backing to like, you know, go out and spend or, or, or whatever, because obviously there's been rumors that, you know, the Cubs go out there, you know, get a Xander Bogarts or, or, or something like that. So who knows? Maybe that'll influence it if the Cubs can get a, have a positive second half. Um, and, you know, that, that you know, that could be uh, a game changer. Um, when it comes to trades, there's a lot of trades actually that came up in the last uh, week or so for the Cubs. Um, nothing groundbreaking. I think the biggest one probably the Scott F. Ross one that I mentioned before. But uh, we'll start from the beginning. So Chris Martin, the the reliever, was traded to the uh, Dodgers for Zach McKinstry. Um, and it was, you know, honestly, it's one of those deals where like uh, Zach, Mc- Zach McKinstry is a young guy who, you know, has a fresh start now. He's struggled over his first three seasons in the big leagues. He can play multiple positions. Uh, he's a Swiss Army knife. So, you know, if he needed a fresh start and he could be our utility guy, then that's a positive. So um, we also traded Dixon Machado to the Giants. Um, they needed a shortstop after injuries to Tyro Estrada. Um, man, man Ty- Ty- take a moment to just, you know, give Tyro Estrada some credit because – this guy's had a tough week. Uh, first, he got hit with the Carlos Rodon bat, uh, and then he gets hit in the head by a, a, a you know a pitch uh, from Mark Leiter Jr. So it's uh, it's been a rough rough go for Tyro. So hopefully, you know he can come back come back uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, they also have had injuries to Brandon Crawford, um, and the Cubs ended up receiving thirty year old right handed pitcher uh, Raynell Espinal. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, um, interesting trade. We'll see how that goes for either team. I, I'm sure that was more of a deal that like needed to happen rather than, you know, um, than it, they, like that they've been working on. It was probably like, here, we'll give you this. And, you know, they needed that, you know, and uh, Dixon McShadow is just the guy that I feel like has been in the minors for like ever. And like, you know, has barely, you know, he's got a couple chances here and there, but, um, not sure why it's taking forever for him to get more more shots in the big leagues. But obviously, if he's you know just a sh- you know if he likes playing shortstop, you know we got we got Nico Horner obviously there, so it makes sense I guess in that uh, aspect. And of course, the big one uh, of the weekend was Scott Efros traded to the Yankees for their number seven prospect in uh, Hayden Wesneski. So uh, yeah, so the number one seven prospect, and he's a guy that probably will be a starter. Um, what, like, what, what do you think that deal? So a lot of people question that deal because F Ross at the end of the day has five years left of control. Right. Um, but the way I see it is he's 28 years old. So I don't think I mind giving up that five years of control because at the end of the day, we get, we get a total of seven years with uh Wisniewski. Um, what do you think that trade does? I mean, it's less about what it does for the Cubs because for the Cubs, it, it obviously gives you it gives us like a, a prospect um, that you know we don't necessarily know that much about. But that trade for the Yankees, I guess, in that aspect, um, like what do you what? Or a better question would be, what is what do you if you're talking to a Yankees fan, and which we will in in a few yeah. minutes, uh, what's Scott Efros? What is he going to give to the to the Yankees? He he brings a lot of depth to that bullpen. Uh, a lot of those tired, a lot of those arms have been looking tired over the past week and a half or so. Um, I think I think Efron's kind of gives more depth to that bullpen. He pitched incredible. He pitched incredible when he was here in Chicago. He pitched incredible when he you know when he was pitching for the Cubs. Um, that's another arm to kind of take the load off of some of these starters that have really had a tough time this year. So he is. He's going into New York very confident. He's going into New York with his stuff looking very good. Um, that does that does a lot for the Yankees because it's you know for them the the offense and, and the pitching has not really been something that's been needed to be addressed. Um, 
but lately I think I think it's just been a, a matter of this some of the arms getting a little bit tired and the offense kind of trying to keep up with this. So I think Efros is coming into is you know setting into New York with uh, you know a pretty good mindset, feeling good about himself, feeling good about his, his stuff. Um, so you know I, I think that does wonders for for the Yankees, and I think it's actually going to make a pretty big difference for them, especially with these last two months of the season. Yeah, I mean the guy's a heck of a reliever. He's got the, some of the best stuff in the game. Yeah. Um, so um, definitely uh, he's going to be a big asset for the Yankees. And I think that we're, it's just going to be another guy that we'll see make an impact for the Yankees in the postseason. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just funny seeing like all these guys from the Cubs getting traded to like other teams, helping them win. It's like, they got Rizzo now. Uh, they got Efros. So yeah, um, it'll be, yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah. It'll, it'll be, the Mets. Enjoy. I hope you enjoyed Javi last year too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So uh, the Cubs, they got three games uh, at St. Louis, uh, and then they got three games uh, where they host Miami, uh, which is funny because I told you this before, I'm going to Miami this weekend, and the, the, the Marlins are coming here. It's like we're switching spots. Um, but I was, like, looking at the schedule. I was like, hey, like, I was watching when I first bought my tickets. I was like, hey, maybe I'll go catch a my, uh, Miami game on, like, Sunday or something. And I was like, what are the odds that the weekend I go – these dudes are playing at at Wrigley, so, play, yeah. yeah. Um, but looking ahead to this week, it's it's a couple interesting matchups, right? Because uh, the Cardinals are a team that you know uh, looking for a spot in the postseason, and honestly, so are the Marlins. Still, they're mm-hmm. still in the wild card race as much as they've yeah. gone down a little bit. Um, yeah. What so what do you what are you looking forward to this week, and and what do you think of these two matchups? Oh, uh, you know. I... <laughs> They're, uh, I, I think, I think they're, they're about to go into a, you know, they're about to play a Cardinals team that is very, very hungry. And throughout the entire, throughout the entire year, I think the Cardinals have always been on the cusp. Um, I feel, I feel like, you know, offensively, they should be one of the best hitting teams in baseball. And, you know, I, you know, Juan Soto doesn't work out, but I, I, I don't feel that they have lost with that, with that, you know, and everything that they were going to give up and what, you know, what the Nationals wanted. Yeah, this is the team that's going to cut. They're going to come out swinging. They're going to come out hitting. Uh, it's going to be difficult playing, playing there in St. Louis. Um, Cubs has got to really just hang in there. Uh, kind of like what I said with a few, a few of the other series. Keep the ball out of the air. I think the Cubs defensively have actually been fairly solid in a lot of games that I've seen them, aside from some of the mistakes that are made in San Francisco. Um keep the ball in the air, try to keep the ball on the ground. Don't miss up. Um, and, you know, when Miami comes to town, take advantage of, you know, not too evenly matched, but like two very similar teams kind of at the moment coming into Wrigley and just come out as the better team. That, that's, that's really all the Cubs can do right now. I think it's just a matter of playing things out and just trying to, you know, trying to feel good about something going forward. So, you know, finishing up these last two months strong. Yeah, it's, it's that's the main goal, right? Is just you know finish twenty twenty two on a, on a higher note than you than you started it, yep. and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, all right, so we'll move on now to uh, major league news and a lot to talk about. I mean, um, a lot or a lot of trades, I should say. It's just have yep. happened over the last week, um, and we'll start with uh, Luis Castillo to the Mariners. Um, so this one was super surprising to me, yep. and also super um, stacked when it comes to uh, what the Mariners gave up. Uh, I, I I don't know. I think Mariners are really going for it, and I don't – as much as – trust me, I want the Mariners to succeed. Those AL West teams besides the Astros, nothing against the Astros anymore. I'm like, whatever, it is what it is. They're going to win the division, right? But I, I want teams like the Angels, teams like the Mariners to have some kind of success. Um, but at the end of the day, I still don't know if this quite puts the Mariners in a spot where they could – contend for a world series right i think that's what the move that i think this what the, this is what the move or sorry excuse me this is the move they they made to make that statement to say hey we're, we're going to contend for something in the postseason but i still don't think i don't i don't know how they match up with a team like the um the yankees um and the astros you know what i mean so um and i mean and, and to be honest we've seen like in the past week or so they've faced the astros in a couple series and you just see the you know the difference between these two teams is just it's just not there. Um so the question I think I had was did they give up too much to get Luis Castillo? But regardless of that, I wanted to get your take on just in general them getting him 
is uh, obviously going to help them immediately. Um, but yeah, what do you what do you think of that of that trade? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I, I don't feel like they've given up too much. I feel like if you're going to you know fully send it send it now, um, the Mariners over the past you know few years have always been kind of a team that has been like. We go into the season and they're very good. And then it kind of falls apart, you know, in, in the later half of the year. I think Luis Castillo kind of helps this team finish. I think he helps them finish a little bit better. Um, you know, obviously he's, he's once every five days. So, you know, every five, six days. So, you know, there's games in between that have to be won as well. But I think he adds, he has a lot of depth. He has a lot of innings, um, you know, he can go deep into games. His stuff is nasty. Now, I think when, when, when the Mariners do play these teams that you mentioned, they're going to be able to compete a little bit more, but hopefully during these, during these series, he's scheduled to pitch. Um, I really like him on this team, but like you said, I don't think that puts them over the top just yet. Um, I think there may be like a move or two away from really solidifying, um, you know, a chance going forward. So, you know, let's, let's kind of see how today plays out. I'm hoping that they do maybe add another bat, maybe another arm or two, um, because like I said, the Mariners have always been kind of a team that's just they're 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 right there. They just missed that 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 push, that push to finish, that push to really get over the hump. But this is a step in the right direction. And you know, they got they 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 got time to still make some important moves. Um, but if this is the only move that they make, I do not think that this is like gonna be a huge difference maker for them uh for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I think yeah, hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to get another another bat or something to help them out in general. Um, but yeah, that it, it is, I'm, I'm sure it is going to help them and it is going to be a big deal, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and I hope, hopefully, hopefully it works out for them just because it's the Mariners just get to the playoffs. Right. It's like, I think yeah. this was another move to that. It, it, regardless, they, they're trying to get there. You know what I mean? Any, then once you get there, anything can happen. Right. So it's, it's, it's a positive regardless, but, uh, I was just kind of pondering on it for a while. just kind of like, Oh, what, we know what, what, you know, what do they give up for him? So, um, but also doesn't surprise me with you know Jerry Depoto is the you know the 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 guy who just always is deal like wheeling and dealing is the definition of wheeling and dealing in the majors right. um yeah. and yeah so we'll see what happens other trade deadline deals or that happened um was Frankie Montes to the Yankees um that was a big deal because the Yankees needed another starter um and you know they got their man and yeah. it's you know the Yankees have you know they also have gotten Benintendi, yep. um, so they've boost really boosted their their you know their shot their chance I guess what they have over the Astros. Um, what do you what did you think about that move and what does it do for them as as a whole? And I'm, another... and I'm gonna cut it right. Sorry, I'm gonna cut it right because we got a minute thirty. Oh, cool. <laughs> right, yeah. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll come back and then we'll I'll, uh then you could you could just start fresh and answer cool. that. Cool. cool. All right, but. Oh, here. All right, bet. Yeah, so I think you know, I think uh, I think Frankie Montes adds a lot to that rotation in general. Kind of, kind of going back to what I was saying about Efron's, I think that that is a some of those arms a little bit tired. Um, they had they have been the Yankees have been going pretty hard, pretty much on all cylinders for you know the first part of this season. Um, he helps. He helps. You know, finish. He helps, he, he's gonna he's gonna bring a lot of innings. He's gonna bring a lot of quality starts um so i really like montez going to the yankees um along with along with efros um i think they they've bolstered um their pitching i think that they are fine exactly where they are um offensively um so you know i, I think you know this is kind of solidifies a few more things for them in terms of just kind of just finishing as, as solid as possible so i really like i really like montez going over there um and so i think i think the yankees are are pretty I think they're pretty set. They get an A plus from me on the season and an A plus from me at the the moves that they made. So I like I like where the Yankees are heading. Yeah, I mean these moves. Re- I mean, if you didn't think that the Yankees had a chance at or at World Series um, not before, uh, they definitely have a you know a shot definitely now to compete with the Astros. And the thing with that also is the fact that like uh, Montes has great numbers against the Astros. Um, has always had great numbers against the Astros, and he's got great experience against them. So. Um, in in a series, um, I bet you and I guarantee you that Montes will pitch twice. So um, again, uh, cannot uh, stress enough how much a Astros Yankees series would be uh, to watch in the postseason. So 
hopefully that happens. Um, so we will see. Um, uh, a couple other deals that happened. Josh Hader went to the Padres. Um, uh, Taylor Rogers went to uh, the uh, Brewers. Um, and then Austin Riley signed a 10-year deal. Uh, I think upwards to 250 mil. Uh, Joe Musgrove signed an extension, a five-year extension with the Padres. Uh, but one more deal I wanted to talk about before we get to our interview is the one that's actually happening right now. So Juan Soto uh, has reportedly been traded to the uh, Padres um, in, I believe it's like a six-player deal, seven-player deal. Um, but it's it's uh, Josh Bell and Soto going to the Padres um, in, with uh, – the trade also the what goes to the Nationals includes uh, Eric Hosmer, C.J. Abrams, um, and multiple other top prospects. Now, what's happening now is that Eric Hosmer rejected the trade to Washington, is official now, and he will not be part of the deal, of the Soto deal. So he kind of like broke that deal right as of right now. But the deal could still go through. Now the Padres are still are are actually wondering what they're going to do with uh, Hosmer because he's owed. $39 million from 2023 to 2025. So they got to figure out what they're going to do with him, where they're going to yeah. dish him off to. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't exactly quite know where that's going to go to, but most likely it look, and it looks pretty much guaranteed that Soto's going to go to the, uh, uh, to the Padres, but it's kind of like what it's going to look like type thing. Yeah. But yeah, adding him and Josh Bell. I mean, this is colossally like, this is crazy. Um, yeah. So I want to hear your thoughts on, on what this deal does for the Padres. Oh gosh, this is uh, the, the Padres are really, they're really fully sending it. Now there's details um, that, you know, you mentioned just now um, that, that do, that do change things a little bit, but I, I think I really respect the Padres for um, noticing, noticing that like, Hey, you know what? We, we, we are very good offensively, but we still need a little bit more. Now I don't, I'm still not too sure about the status of uh, Fernando Tatis. Um, so I'm still pretty unclear about that. But, you know, a, a lineup with Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, um, and we'll see what, what goes on with there with Eric Hosmer and Josh Bell. Um, you know, that, that's a very interesting, interesting detail in itself. There, there's no reason why this why this team shouldn't shouldn't, you know, really give the Dodgers a run for their money. Cause I, I really do like them. Um from the pitching standpoint, I think defensively they're going to be even better than they've been. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think once the details are figured out, it's going to be interesting, interesting to see, uh, you know, how this all kind of plays out. But I really respect uh, the Padres organization for just pretty much full sending it. Um, what do you have? What like what what do you have to lose at this point? You know, get get Soto, get this bat, get this defensive defensive player to help you, you know, make something special happen, you know, the rest of August and September and going into, you know, October. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, and as for the Nationals, same on you. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, it's, uh, it looks like they tried, but they tried a little too late when it comes to just offering this man money and, and doing all this, like, they waited for the for the relationship to kind of be broken for them to kind of yeah. like you know go for it. It's what it sounds like. Um, yeah, I mean this the the deal having Soto on the Padres is, I mean that lineup it, it, that already included you know Machado and Tatis when he's healthy, but like having Machado in having Machado Soto Tatis, Josh Bell like, not to mention guys like Cronenworth you know it, it's unbelievable. And I think it, it really it really puts them puts them neck and neck when it comes to like you know playing against each other. It puts them up there with the Dodgers, in my opinion, because they have three legitimate All Stars, MVP candidates, and all on one team. So it, it'll be really something to watch. And just like I said about the the fact that um the uh, that I want an Astros Yankees postseason series, we need another. Uh, Padres Dodgers series with everyone fully healthy. And, some of the uh, best baseball. Some of the yeah 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 that, exactly that, that can possibly take place is Dodgers Padres fully healthy. Exactly. Uh, all right, we'll end our our uh, rest of the, the league talk right there. We might get into a little bit more though uh, with Jake Kosak. He's the host of the Bronx Zoo. So we'll cut to our interview portion of the podcast, and uh, we'll be right back. 
All right, welcome to the interview portion of the At Bat Baseball Podcast. We are here with Jake Kosak, who is a host of the Bronx Zoo, which you can find on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Jake also has uh, 30,000 followers on TikTok, which is where I first came across him. Uh, thank you for coming on, Jake. I really appreciate this, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. No, we have a lot to talk about. We were talking about it before we came on is, is uh, the fact that, you know, it's being the trade deadline. Got a lot to talk about on that end. And we'll ask you a few questions about that. But first, I want to kind of get to know you, man. And it's kind of like, you know, the whole yep. Yankee part of you, obviously, you're, that's, you know, a uh, huge Yankee fan. So uh, I think um, everyone has their own story of how they became a fan of their team, man. So I want to know what your story is uh, for the yeah. Yankees. Absolutely. So born October 11th, 1996. Uh, I think that says it all right there. I, yeah. uh, my, uh, my dad, we were talking about this the other day. He said, I was at two weeks old, not falling asleep, watching the world series. I didn't <laughs> fall asleep. He told me this. We were talking about the other day. He said, you were up and he remembers it. He said, you didn't close your eyes. You were watching the screen. And just basically my dad, my grandpa, my grandparents are from the Bronx. I, I wasn't born and raised in the Bronx. I was a little bit North of New York city but close enough where I'd always go to the stadium. Uh, my dad, giant Yankee fan. Uh, my grandpa was a, an NYPD officer. So sometimes he'd be stationed outside Yankee Stadium, grew up in the Bronx. So he, giant Yankee fan. My grandma and her mom were uh, a block away from the stadium. So every time they heard a, a home, like a home run was hit, they heard the, the roar of the crowd. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's, it's basically... In my family, we just we love baseball. We love the Yankees, and I, I don't know when I was you know four years old, it, it just it really stuck. You know, I I mean everyone loves baseball to a degree. I mean it's our it's a, our country's pastime. It's it's something that is in, ingrained in every single one of us in some way. But for me, I just I wasn't a star player. I, I knew from a young age I could play baseball good. I wasn't never gonna be the shortstop of the New York Yankees. I knew that going in at like eight years old but I knew that I loved this team more than anything else and that was no denying it if you knew me in elementary school I still have the shirts I wore a Yankee shirt every single day to school every <laughs> single day um, my mom would say change it up Jake what, why, why are you wearing a Yankee shirt I said, why it's what I it's what I love um, I kept every one of those shirts so my son could wear them too so um, yeah I just I I loved I grew up with Derek Jeter Mariano Jorge I mean this was the core four. This was the dynasty. And even watching the captain recently, it, it's, it's kind of like going back in my brain and it just, it's bringing back what I loved about this team. And that was just a constant escape from the world, from everything going on around you. When you watch baseball, when you watch the Yankees, it's you, you're brought to a, a realm that no one else can, can bother you in. No one can, can, can distract you in it's you're, you're in like pure bliss is the way I describe what it's like for me watching a Yankee game. And um, as I got older, uh, it didn't fade away. It, it, you know, sometimes, you know, guys get older, girls get older, they, they lose that, that love of the game. And um, it, it's gotten stronger in the last couple of years for me. And I mean, uh, I think I yep, should be right here. Um, I wore this Yankee necklace every day of my life. There you um, go. Ever since I was 10 years old, my parents gave it to me. And that's because I knew I wanted to work for the New York Yankees. Some degree, some aspect of it. I wanted, I, I told my dad I'd sleep at Yankee Stadium. So that's basically <laughs> where the, the love started. My, my family, it's a, it's a family game. So. Yeah. And then also like, uh, I think uh, the Bronx Zoo is also just a great idea though, too. Also just like, I feel like um, it could start something where like it can inspire other guys to do that, to like go out Absolutely. there, you know, uh, to talk to their, you know, fans outside of their home ballpark. How did that come about? And, and like, yeah, just in general, how did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I actually went to college. Like I said, I knew I wanted to work for the Yankees. I, I was a um, unmotivated high school kid and college kid. I had no aspect of me that, of course, my family would say, oh, you always had the potential, but I, you know, insecurities, you know, all that stuff. I was overweight. Um, I'm a huge Rocky fan. The Rocky oh, yeah. franchise, huge Rocky fan. Um, and it was sophomore year of college. And I ended up watching Rocky one night. I had a huge point. I was, you know, the doctor just told me I was actually obese. I was just not doing good in any aspect of life. And I'm watching Rocky run up the steps. And for some reason, I, I, I rewind it. My whole life, same with the Yankees. I loved Rocky. 
I'm rewinding him going up the steps, watching it over and over again. And the next morning I woke up and started to, I lost 70 pounds. Um, and in, in a span of four months, I just completely changed my life, everything, um, motivation, you know, outlook on life, uh, physical aspects of life. And I just, I, from there, I just really got motivated. I worked, I started working for a company uh, as an intern, uh, Steiner Sports, which is big in New York. It was a memorabilia firm that, that did stuff with the Yankees and unbelievable experience as an intern in college, got to work with the Yankee players, meet athletes, all this stuff. Then I graduated and got a job at a consulting firm just for like nine months or so. And I, I said to myself, it, it kind of really started to click that I, I wanted to work in front of a camera. I, I, was, did, I did theater growing up actually for about 20 years. Uh, I was huge into sports and did theater. I always thought I was like Troy Bolton from High School Musical. And uh, I, I, I love, yeah, I love, yeah, I was into theater. I liked, I liked acting. I liked film. And um, I was like, man, how can I piece all this stuff together? How can I, how can I take everything I like and make it one thing? So I ended up getting a job at TMZ um, as a reporter. And I was one of those guys on the streets with a camera, you know, going up to people. And I really focused on TMZ sports. And I was getting interviews with, Derek Jeter, Michael Jordan, all these guys and loved it. And it was a great experience. And then the pandemic happened, ended up getting a job at, a, at another uh, cable news network. And one day I got sent out and I was asked to go do like, get like, you know, when you, you take the mic and you, you ask people questions on the street, like in like a basic camera on a tripod mm -hmm. format, didn't want to do it. I'm like, this isn't my job. I'm a producer. I'm not a reporter here. And I had a Yankee shirt on and I was standing on 50th street and first Avenue and I'm in the corner and this gentleman, this one gentleman who I, I, I never know who he is, but it changed my life forever. So I want to thank him. He, uh, he walked by me and I asked him, Hey, sir, can I ask you a question? And he was like about the Yankees. And I said, no, it's about something else. He goes, nah, then I don't want to talk. <laughs> and I was and literally in that moment. I went, wow, that's a cool idea. That's, that's really cool that would be fun. And I ended up going home and I, I, I don't think anyone saw the vision I had. Uh, I, my family, biggest support system I could ever ask for. They would support me in whatever I did. Um, and that, that's true. My mom, my dad, my sisters, grandparents, they would support me if I wanted to run across the country. But they, I, I knew in my head, I, it wouldn't make sense until I started doing it. So I ended up uh, putting it together in my mind. I, I piece it together. Um, I had a couple names that I was trying, trying to circle around for, for what I wanted to name the show. And I said to myself, what, what makes sense? What, what are Yankee fans nicknames? And like, what are we bleacher creatures? That's so used. Um, what's something I can do. And I just watched the Bronx is burning, which was an old um, show from mm -hmm. like the early two thousands about the seventies Yankees. I'm like, man, the Bronx burn would be kind of cool. Something like that. Try and tie in the, the, the best borough, you know, the Bronx. And I'm like, how can I piece this together? And then I'm doing some research and I'm reading about, you know, I always knew the Yankees were called the Bronx Zoo. I'm like, damn, that's a, that's a cool name. The Bronx Zoo. Like, that's what we are. We're, mm -hmm. we're passionate animals that go crazy. Right. And I, um, day by day, I just started building it in my mind of what I wanted to make it, what I thought it could be. And I, I, I've coined it since the beginning. I mean, there's been tons of man on the street segments uh, done in some degree in the news since um, the early 70s. Like that's just, it's just been a thing. And I, uh, there, I mean, there's other brands that do it like Side Talk's a great brand. I didn't know about Side Talk until after I started the Bronx Zoo. I didn't see anyone doing anything like this. And even I've seen on the street stuff, but I knew in my head from the beginning that no one has ever done a show about one team like this. And I've coined it the first of its kind sports fan interview show. Um, and from that moment on, I just started, I went out there with my, my best friend, Jeff, he was willing to come out, be my, uh, my field producer for the day. And uh, it's just grown, grown tremendously in 10 months, you know, that's a, that's incredible. So like how much, how much do you enjoy just, from one Yankees fan talking to other Yankees fans, just talking about the result of a game, opinions about player. Cause I know, cause it's, it's, it's pretty known that New York, you guys are a very passionate fan base and you hold your players accountable. And, and when they're doing great, you also let them know as well. 
Yep. Tell me how much you enjoy this, man. How, how fun is it to just have these conversations on the streets with other fans? Well, I, I can tell you, I started it last September, um, did four episodes, including the wild card, and they weren't in town. So what I did was like, I'm, I got to do something special. I mean, this is still the beginning. I went around the streets of the Bronx. Literally just, there's no Yankees in town. Let me just walk around the Bronx. I went to Fordham. I went to Arthur Avenue, which is our version of Little Italy, um, went to the actual zoo, and I'm walking around. And it was, it was that night I really realized, like, people like this idea. No one knew who I was. No, no, in the beginning, no one knew what I was doing. Like, what is this? And, you know, even still, I'm, you know, I'm getting, I'm, now I, I'm out on the street in front of Yankee Stadium on 161st Street. And people are coming up, you know, screaming the Bronx Zoo, you know. And I'm, and I'm glad that it's not, yo, what's up, Jake? It's what's up, Bronx Zoo. Like, we created a face of us. And when I say that it's not my show, it's our show, there's tons of talking heads on television that talk about baseball. But when, we, when I can go out there and bring us together in a way that's not been done before, I, like I'm going there tonight. I'm excited to go down. I don't know, like, I'm excited to go and do it because I love it. Like, like you said, talking baseball, talking trades, this is stuff that we do. You do, mm -hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys were texting last night when Trey Mancini got traded, when mm -hmm. Frankie Montez got traded. Like, that's what we do. But there's never been, like, I tell my mom and my dad all the time, the thing I'm most proud of is the fact that when you look at my TikTok page, it's not just my face. It's faces of, like, hundreds of people from all over the world, all over the country, different backgrounds, different jobs, different places that they live. And you look at my page and it just shows what the Yankee fan base is. And when you see it, it's, it's people that come together and have fun for three hours a night. And like I said, pure bliss. So, I mean, I'm having, I'm literally having the time of my life. I, I literally couldn't explain it. I, I, I'm, I'm working on average, you know, 16 hours a day. Cause I do all the editing myself. Mm -hmm. um, I do all the marketing myself, all the social media. Um, I have two great field producers, Joe and Matt who are out there with me filming. But once, you know, we, we aren't filming, I'm home and I'm doing this nonstop. And there's, there's no partying. There's no Friday night clubs. There's no, um, you know, days at the beach. It's, it's all the Bronx Zoo until this gets to where it belongs. That's awesome, man. I mean, yeah, just the way you put it, it's, it's, it, and, and it's, and the thing is too, is like, I, I like that. And like I said before, that we're a Chicago based show. So I think like, us being uh, me and miles, we're both Cubs fans. I think we can relate in the sense of like the passion we have for our teams yeah. is like, is ridiculous. And they're different kinds of passions, which I love. I love the difference between like a Yankees type thing and like a, uh, like the Cubs type thing. Um, Cause obviously you guys, I love Wrigley field. Oh, there you go. There you go. Like, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm with I know I'm, I'm, I'm working on, on getting to Yankee stadium. Cause I have a, I actually have a, one of my good buddies. He's a like, he's diehard Yan Yankees fan We're born here though. But I'm telling you right now, like, like he is like, I think if you guys met each other, you guys would get along just fine. Cause even though he's not straight up from New York, like yeah, this dude's like, like he lives and dies, bro. Like when the Yankees yeah. lose, like, oh, <laughs> you, absolutely. You, yeah, you feel it. Absolutely. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, shifting now, I think kind of like, I want to get, uh, uh, your thoughts on like the, the latest Yankee stuff. Cause I mean, obviously, yeah. Uh, one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team in baseball. And we talk about them a lot on our pod and just like just all the moves that they made and, and Aaron Judge, because who doesn't love Aaron Judge? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> How do you uh, feel about the Yankees like kind of heading into the last two months of the season? Obviously, yeah. uh, working off the deals that they've made at, up to this point and, and uh, maybe, maybe they're not done. Who knows? Right. So, you know, obviously, I've been in Tendi, Montas, you know, Efros. And uh, like, how, how do you feel about the, the Yanks, you know, uh, heading into October and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I went in and I think we're all going to be in mutual agreement this year. There was only one move that I felt the Yankees desperately needed to make in the offseason. And it, I, a lot of people disagreed. We did need a shortstop and IKF was the best option. I believed in that. But there was one move that if we didn't make, I didn't see us being a championship contender. And that's Anthony Rizzo. I, I, I truly believe that from the beginning from Chicago. I'm sure you guys understand. He did amazing for us last year. But what he brings to a baseball club I think was unmatched. And I saw it in two months. Anthony was always my favorite player that didn't play for the Yankees. So when we got him, I was ecstatic. And I knew that he was the guy we needed. I didn't want Carlos Correa. Um, I, I, 
my my feelings on the Houston Astros from 2017 are well known, <laughs> well documented. So I didn't want uh, Correa. I did. Uh, I was interested in Seager, but not for that price. I, I thought that was kind of ridiculous for the injuries that he's been through. And I knew that IKF was a great move, and I liked Josh Donaldson. I was gonna. I knew Gary Sanchez was valuable. It's kind of sad to see how he declined because I will always have a, a sentimental value to Gary considering what he did for us when he first came up. But Rizzo was important. And I knew in the beginning, we'd have a good year. Obviously they shocked the baseball world by how well they've played. And that that's huge contributions to the moves that Cashman made. Uh, Cashman is, I think, one of the most underrated executives in the history of baseball. Yes, he has the money, but the best moves that Cashman has ever made were non-money related. They were trades at the deadline, specifically at the deadline. I go back to Alfonso Soriano, Bobby Abreu, Ichiro, um, Chase Headley, 2015, gets a call, comes from San Diego, gets a walk-off base hit the, the first night he's here. So it's things like that that I think of when I think of Cashman and the moves he makes. I wanted Ben Attendee, and I wanted Castillo. We got Ben Attendee. Castillo obviously went to Seattle, but Frankie was the next best option. I think those were phenomenal moves. You got Trevino and Efros, um, bullpen arms with Michael King down, who was an all-star in my opinion and didn't get there, but – you know, we, we've been blessed with injuries this year, uh, not to have that many uh, in compared to recent years. And I don't want to say that and jinx it, but, you know, compared to recent years, we, we were very injury prone in the first half. This year, you know, stands on the 10-day uh, DL, he comes back, uh, the aisle, uh, you know, this weekend he comes back. But I, I love the moves we made. I, I know that I'm looking at the clock. We got three hours and 45 minutes. I still think there's one more major move to be made uh, in the pitching rotation. Uh, either if it's a uh, Radon from San Francisco, I personally think Carlos and Jack Peterson would be a great move in one package deal where you trade Joey Gallo at the same rate. Um, uh, one thing I'll, I'll say from the Bronx zoo perspective, I never bash players. I never go on my page uh, opposing teams. Absolutely. As a, like, most of the time it's in good humor, unless it's the Astros, but uh, the, <laughs> the Mets, right? The Mets, uh, the Mets, <laughs> the Mets spectators, most of all. There's no Mets, such thing as a Mets fan, just Mets spectators. But uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I try and uh, I try and you know keep it very respectful. Of course, we touch upon some some topics that could be you know kind of funny sometimes. <laughs> but um, I, I try. I will never bash uh, from a young age. Uh, correlated back to where we started. I, I I've never booed a Yankee. I would never boo a Yankee. That made no sense to me. Um, why would you boo your own guy? It, it just never made sense to me. I get that, you know, we care, um, but I'll, I always want to support him. So when it comes to Joey Gallo, I wish him the best wherever he ends up tonight. Um, uh, I just, I, I do think he will be moved in the, in the next couple hours, but you know, it's not because I just want to ship him out. That's just, I think that he, he'll be one of the guys that gets, and I think he can figure it out somewhere else. I do think in a, in a smaller market, I mean, he played in Arlington. That's not New York City. Mm -hmm. So those, those are the moves I think that will happen. I think one of the greatest moves in baseball history happened about two hours ago. So I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. Yeah, and and oh my gosh, and you know, before we even move forward, I, I love hearing your your passion for the Yankees. And you know, it's I grew up a few blocks away from Wrigley Field, so I was basically bred into being a Cubs fan, but I'm a baseball fan first. I want to know your opinion about Aaron Judge and what he does for, you know, the city of New York, what he does for, for you Yankees fans, how, how important is he, you know, to you all? And do you want to see him extend and stick around? And what would that mean for you all? Yeah. Um, so I, I think the best way to put it is I put out a video the other day that, that got a lot of attention about someone asking if uh, I would trade Shohei Otani for Aaron Judge. Now, I'm not blind. Shohei Otani is one of a kind. There will never be another like him, maybe for another 100 years, like since Babe Ruth. He is a phenomenal, arguably the greatest baseball player on the planet. But I said no, I would not. And the reason I say that is because when you think about the New York Yankees, the legacy that we've had, uh, yes, Babe Ruth was traded to the Yankees. I understand that. But he was the face of the Yankees. And when you think of the face of the franchise, you went from Babe Ruth to Lou Gehrig to Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Thurman Munson, who was the captain. A lot of people outside of New York don't understand the value that was held in him. And same with Reggie. You know, Reggie was in there too, but Thurman actually had that captain title. And then it went to Don and then um, Derek Jeter. 
like literally from Don Mattingly in 1995 to Derek Jeter in 1996, Jeter retires in 2014. Everyone in the world thinks we'll never see a captain again, including me. I said, nope. I literally walked out of the stadium. I was at Jeter's last game. I went to my dad. There'll never be another captain again. There never should be. And it's almost eight years later, and I'm sitting here saying Aaron Judge is the face of the franchise. He's the captain of the New York Yankees. And it would be an absolute travesty if we don't extend, uh, resign. I, I don't think he'll, I'm hoping it doesn't reach free agency. I'm hoping in the week beforehand we can figure something out. But if we don't resign Aaron Judge, I just think it would be absolutely tragic for the fan base. I really do. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where like, already murmurs are like, oh, like, you know, if, you know, Judge ends up in free agency, like the Cubs should go after him and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong. I've talked about this before and I've said it. I was like, anybody, everyone wants Aaron Judge, right? Anybody would love to have an Aaron Judge on his team. But even I, as a Cubs fan, want him. I still think he belongs in New York. I still think like, there's just no way, right? It's, and, and, and the thing is, it's kind of funny. You're talking about Shohei Otani and like, you know, wouldn't want him on there. But I, the, the only reason I'd want him in New York, and I've said this to my buddy who's a Yankees fan, is the only reason I'd want him there is just because to give him more more of the spotlight too. Like just because oh, no, like no. – I, I yeah. want Shohei Otani. Oh, 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 yeah, like, yeah. I would love Shohei Otani on the New York Yankees. There's yeah, no yeah. question about it. But if it meant losing Judge – Oh, just, I get what you're saying. Oh, same okay, with, okay. Same yeah, with yeah. Soto. If it meant that we had to lose Judge, mm-hmm. I don't want to lose Judge. But – Bring, bring me Otani. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's no question about that. Him, yeah. him, Stanton, Judge? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, the, the, the reason I want him there, too, is just because, like, it gets him, like, like I want baseball to be as big as it can be I in agree. the world, right? Yeah. And I think, like, Otani on the, on the Yankees would just be, like, you know, yeah. the biggest thing in baseball. But, yeah, um, yeah so, and, and you mentioned it before and talk about Soto. And uh, we'll, so we'll, we'll finish off with that question. So, like, um, and, and we, we talked a little bit about already on this pod today and just like how we felt about the Soto deal. And I mean, that's, it's insane, obviously. And, and, and like, it is one of the biggest deals ever. And just like, kind of like also a little bit of the, the humor in it is just the fact that like Hosmer is the one that kind of was holding it up for a second. It's going to go through, but really it's kind of like what they're going well, to do. He, with Hosmer he said now. no. He, I just yeah, yeah. He said no. Yeah, he said no, but I think they just have to deal with like the money now, like what they're yeah. going to, they, they got they're like, they have to figure out how they're handling or yeah. how, what they're going to do with, with Hosmer. And it just kind of reminded me of like, uh, like, of like, in, remember the Dark Knight where like that dude tries to like scam Bruce Wayne, yep, and yep. and Morgan Freeman's like, come on, bro, like that's like <laughs> what Hosmer felt to me, bro. He's trying to mess this up, like, come on, bro, no, don't do it. But no, it's going, <laughs> it's going, it's going through, so that's fine. But um, yeah, I think this changes the whole landscape for baseball. Like anytime this like a player like him moves, it changes like the landscape of baseball. And I think it really puts the Padres to in 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 a lot of aspects up to the par of like the Dodgers. So I want to see a series between the Dodgers and the Padres. Oh, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I want to get, I want to get your perspective on that trade and, and, and what, what do you think about that move in general? Yeah. What, what I said earlier, it's, it's basically like if you moved Ken Griffey Jr. or Alex Rodriguez when they were first starting with the Mariners, but the difference is Soto has a world series ring already. Mm-hmm. And when you put in perspective, Babe Ruth was traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees at 24 years old. Soto is 23 years old. <laughs> and I mean, when you think about that, 23 years old, he, what he's accomplished, the most of the guys that the, guy, uh, the, the, the GMs were probably talking about were about 23, 24-year-old prospects. Some of these names that were being thrown around, you know, um, the prospects aren't that much younger than Juan Soto. I get that they got a massive haul and that's going to set up their team for their next run. Um, I, I think it's absolutely insane how fast the Washington Nationals declined. I, I think I, I can't stand when I see a team win and then they, they give up. That's not the mentality that I'd ever want from my team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, the Nationals just purely gave up one year later, uh, two years later, I guess you could say with the, the shortened season. But I get why they had to do it. Um, I think. I think the Nationals are almost as big of a disaster as the Rockies when they traded uh, – uh, Arenado and didn't resign mm-hmm. Story just to resign Bryant. Well, you don't <laughs> resign Bryce Harper because you have Soto. Mm-hmm. What are you going to spend on? When are you going to actually commit to one of your players? And when I say commit to your players, I mean commit to your fan base. Uh, when you when you sign these extensions, it's not just for the player; it's to your fans that we are going to compete. And if I'm a Nationals fan right now, I'm like, well, why am I going to go spend money for the game? 
of, you know, McKenzie's not going to be ready for another year, two years, or, you know, to be a superstar or reach that level. I mean, I, I, I'd be frustrated if I was a Nationals fan. If I'm a San Diego Padres fan, they are running their team like every team would ever hope for that has not won a World Series uh, or even been there since 98. I mean, they are all in. I, I don't know if we've ever seen a team. I guess you could say the Dodgers getting Scherzer and Trey Turner. They were all in, but I don't know. When you trade, when you have Tatis extended 330 mil, you get Machado, and then you get Juan Soto. I, I don't know if we've seen a team commit like this to any degree. And it's pretty pretty cool to watch. Yeah, and, and all, all the jokes that like I've seen like of AJ Preller, like that dude doesn't sleep. And like, I believe it. There's no way that dude sleeps. There's just well, no Josh way. Josh Hader, right? Josh <laughs> yeah, Hader. yeah, Josh Hader too. Yeah. 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 If nothing else happens today, Josh Hader's the best move of the deadline. Yeah. And he yeah. He, he finesses them for uh, the best relief pitcher in baseball from a first place team. I really don't. Yeah. I don't know what what's going. I don't think the I personally think the Brewers realize there's no chance they're winning a championship. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's uh, well, yeah. Me and me and Miles always talk about just the, like how weak Midwest baseball is this year. Like, it's just it, it just is, bro. It's whack. Like AL West too, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's just funny because both the the AL Central and NL Central is just like sad. Like it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> like the Twins. Like like no disrespect, but the Twins, the Guardians, like the the Cardinals, the Brewers. I don't think they scare people as much as like you know some some people trying to make it out to be their fans. I guess trying to make it out to be. So it's, it's, yeah. So I don't think like, uh, they got, I mean, they got Taylor Rogers. So I guess it's, it's something to like, kind of like have another closer, but yeah, I don't got Pablo too from both. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I think like whoever wins the central in, in both, uh, leagues are probably first round exit anyways, but we'll, we'll see. And I think, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll uh, we'll finish it off right there, man. I really appreciate your time, yeah, and absolutely. man, we I thank think we had guys. such a good time. I really hope you come on again oh, uh, for sure. Thank you, man. Uh, thank you. Yeah, Incredible. Thank you so Incredible. Thank you so much, bro. Thank you and, guys. Uh, me. Um, when uh, postseason comes along, just let me know. Um, oh heck yeah! yeah, yeah I'm gonna be oh, sleeping on 161st. So <laughs> there you go. Hey, <laughs> I'm there like, you go. We'll, we'll interview you live on. Uh, well, at yeah, I was, <laughs> I was about to say that I. Uh, um, I was going to be down there today. So if I got there early enough, I would have done it right in front of the stadium. So there next time I'll, next I'll time. do it outside the stadium. Absolutely. All right, man. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. All right, man. Take Thanks, it easy. Man. Thank you. All right.